Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. I am the host of this podcast. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Orchid I Brown. This episode is called Token. I am sure you know what it means, but if you are a minority, you know what it feels like to be a token. Some people have a great experience and some people do not. What is a token? The real definition of token is a is a thing serving as a visible or tangible representation of a fact, quality, feeling, etc. The example that was offered was I wanted to offer you a small token of my appreciation. So that would be an example of what the real definition of the term token is. But for this specific episode, we're talking about a different type of token. Over the years, token has turned into something else. Urban Dictionary defines it as black guy put in a movie in order to please the black community and give off the impression of racial acceptance. Another example of this is diversity hire. Being a token makes one appear more visible within the workplace, placing more scrutiny and pressure for them to represent an entire group. It is the definition of tokenism. A lot of people don't understand the anxiety, stress, exhaustion, guilt, shame, and burnout that can arise from overworking in efforts to be a good representation of their group. There is a lot of work required to live up to a specific standard when carrying a large group of people, especially when there are stereotypes and stigmas that come with that specific group. It's just easier to fall into. No one wants the pressure of representing a whole group. When you try to change the perspective, you get pushback. Being a token isn't fun. And one of the reasons why I, I wanted to bring that up is that it's it's almost minimal effort for you to try to 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 work above the stereotype and the stigmas that are put out there because it's so ingrained in the perception and in the mindset due to TV, due to radio, due to certain interviews that you might watch on television, even the television show um, would definitely give you that representation of what. For example, I can only speak for my culture, which is black people. We have a specific specific reputation. And so due to that, it's very hard to work above that. So when you do end up working above that, you are then considered to be a token. And that's kind of what I mean. So when you see all of these people going out there and working their asses off to try to give a better representation of, a, of an entire group, because for some apparent reason, people don't understand that you cannot judge an entire group based on one person's mistakes. You have to understand that just as yourself, you as a white person, any person, Asian person, doesn't matter who you are, you are different from the next Asian person. You guys might not have even grown up in the same kind of situation and have endured the exact same things. So everyone has a unique perspective, a unique personality, a unique way about them. So why are we focusing on the stereotype and the stigma and trying to put it all over a certain group of people? Why do we do that? I want to take this moment to provide an example of what I'm trying to say. Um, there is a show on Netflix that I love. I really, 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 really love it. Like I enjoyed it completely. And um, the, the the character, basically they started out the series with this character um, who is well-known and very popular. He plays Bilbo Baggins in the Hobbit series. And I think he's a, a part of a lot of franchise where he made an appearance um, in there because he's well a, a big, well-known actor. Anywho, I've, originally when I saw the trailer for it, it was just a lot of him. So I was like, all right, you know, this actor doesn't really choose the projects that, that, you know, aren't very good. And I mean, in our society right now, a lot of us are not settling for bad TV shows and bad movies. We're expecting good writing and good actors no matter what. And I was like, I'm going to give it a try. And so far, you know, 
before COVID, they were really stepping it up. And during COVID, they really, really stepped it up. Like they started to implement certain certain things within TV shows and movies that people are now looking for. The standard has has risen for us. So when we are actually thinking and looking at at certain shows, there has to be a, a point of relatability for us. We need to be able to connect with the characters. We need to be able to to see their actions and understand a little bit better and to, to feel that raw emotion that really brings it out of us. One thing that I really appreciated about this show is that it was a very diverse show. And I can't say that I've ever seen a show like this ever. Um, from my knowledge, I haven't watched every single thing in the world, so don't quote me on that. But it's called The Startup, and I don't know if, you have, if you've watched it, but if you haven't, you need to make it a priority to watch The Startup. So it's a Jew, uh, a Haitian, or a black man, and a Latina. And I really like how they started out the show by just kind of showing the different aspects of these three individual lives, including the the front man character that is used to kind of promote the show. So they paid him a shit ton of money to be a part of this show because he has such a big name and he's a cop or or something like that. Anyways, I forgot his character because I, I didn't really care about that. But even when we're looking at the black character, the black character starts out with his introduction as being in the ghetto you know, the Haitian community. He's also a Haitian gangster, so he has guns. He's selling drugs on the street. He has people that does his biddings. So that right there is a stereotype. And that's technically how the world view black people. So what I really appreciated about this show is the fact that as this, the, you know, this episodes developed, um, you started to see character change for all the characters. I mean, the Latino girl, it wasn't that big of a change. She was still kind of the same character that she was in the beginning. She still, you know, three seasons later was dropping the ball in some way or form. And you really started to see the struggles of the, the Jew. Um, the, the actor, I think, played in the OC. That's how we were introduced to him. And then you had the black character who kind of developed. And he, he I found, had a, a bigger development because he went from being in the hood, dressing in his baggy shorts and his, his you know, certain style of clothing, walking down the street like he's a boss man. And they take care of the community to him just kind of transitioning out of that and becoming a businessman. Now he's wearing business suits. Now he's thinking on a whole nother different level. He moved out of the community, took his family out of the community, and is now trying to raise his son to not fall back into that because of stereotypes and the stigma that if you are a black man you have to portray this look you have to be on the streets with your guns shooting up your brothers and sisters you have to be selling drugs because that's where the money's at education was never pushed um in that instance but you can see this black man sitting his son down saying you know this is an opportunity for you to learn new things. You're a smart kid. He started learning how to code. You know, he was actually very intelligent. He had opportunities to go to a better school and get out of the hood. But then you started to see that struggle for the son who is now being brought back into that environment by his friends who have no opportunities to come out. And keep in mind, this is jealousy. Jealousy makes people do some really messed up things. And so the jealousy of, of these these other boys in the in the community now started trying to make him prove that he yeah he's black he's one of them so he better have a gun he better be about this life he better be shooting up people and going to jail and it was it was just destructive because his father is working on taking his family out of that toxicity and bringing them into a new world where they would have opportunities. He wanted his son and his daughter to have that opportunity. He wanted his wife to feel safe, all of that. And so you really started to see the black character's development and you're like, wow, like you started out this series as a man that was just a gangster. Like you represented the exact stereotypes that you see in, in rap music, you see in hip hop music, you see on TV and shows and whatnot. And and here you are turning out to be a more respectable man than we thought you were. And, and the funny thing about it is like even the Jew who was like proper, I mean, he's never had to work a day in his life. Everything has been given to him for free. Relationships with a perfect girlfriend, you know, going to really good schools, literally born with a silver spoon in his mountain tit just hanging out the other side of it. Like he, he has it. He's basically white, that white representation. And to basically get to like the final season that we know of, um, 
and he was the one pulling out a gun and going brah, brah, and i was like what <laughs> so i really love how the roles have switched when push comes to shove that jew turned out to be just as you know vicious and just as as bad as the black man because circumstances put him in that position and so it, it ended on that cliffhanger and to this day i'm still pissed i didn't ever renew the season because i went looking and i'm like is it canceled is it canceled it turns out it was canceled and i really wanted to see that development development of the the, the friendship because they're all from different worlds all different sides of where they're living at and they both come they all of them come from different worlds they're dealing with whole other issues of things and they're able to come together with a bond and a friendship and they're in it together so it was almost like a ride or die situation so i use that as as an example to explain what i was trying to explain that the stereotype and a stink stigma can be quite dangerous quite dangerous when you start to put on an individual who you don't know you don't know this person but you're going to put that on them so that they will have no choice but to live up to that stereotype and representation and if you try to go against it i mean good luck it's going to be like oh my god the fact that you know you're behaving this way and you're not acting like what the movies and the rap song says you're supposed to act like then you must be white you're 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 a token and we like tokens and you can now be accepted into our community and everywhere else because you don't act like the stereotype and with that stigma that comes with it. So everyone wants to be accepted and valued, a place to belong. That validation when you feel like you don't fit in, when we are talking about tokens, we aren't just talking about representing black people, but all of black people, like you are the ultimate authority. And that kind of sucks because what you do is now going to affect their judgment of every single black person that they come in contact with. You also represent the culture as a whole as well, which kind of sucks. Being a token means you are the good black person, the good Asian, the good Indian, the good Arab, the good Jew. I, I mention other cultures because anyone can be a token. You are not exempt. And I feel like I've said this before in a previous episode, like you are not exempt. Uh, you're not special. <laughs> um, I just can't remember which episode it was, but I'm sure if you uh, have been following this podcast, you know which episode I did talk about exempt. Maybe it was love and guilt versus guilt. Love versus guilt. Maybe. I'm not sure. As a black woman, being a token means to their perspective that I am all things black. I know all the lingos in the urban dictionary. I even dress black, you know, urban, but I am not one of them because I am the good black girl. So you see that separatism that, you know, if you break the mold of what a black person is supposed to be, you are considered a token. I am the trustworthy black girl that is allowed in spaces accepted in spaces because i am not black enough i am white in black skin it sucks when you meet other black people who like to make fun of you because you don't have an accent and i love hearing this from other people oh you're jamaican oh but you don't have the accent like what's wrong with you um you know were you born in canada is that why you don't have the accent and i'm like no i was born in jamaica and i lived there since until i was up to 11 years old and then i have to explain to them the reason why i don't have an accent is because my grandmother made sure that all the children in the household would speak english when they're at home to practice because if you want a good job you need to be able to speak very good english that's how you make money i am too articulate and i dress well i'm educated i am a good black girl and some black people that I have met look down at me for that, which I'm okay with, don't get me wrong. Some would say you're good, good. I heard that term years ago and I started laughing on the inside. And of course, I had a smile on my face when the person said that because I know exactly what it means. But, you know, my response to that is was always thank you. It's true. And they are shocked because they meant it as an insult. It was supposed to be an insult. And I laughed in their face and I said, thank you for letting me know I am too good for you. This is a blessing. And they would call, they would call me Oreo. Just last year I was called, what did they call me? Um, by a friend. I was called this by a friend, a coconut. And I was like, I like coconut. I like the coconut water. I like the jelly. I like the coconut milk in my rice and peas. I like the coconut 
in my drops and drops is a jamaican treat it's a dessert it's very good all of this is meant as an insult but i i couldn't I couldn't for the life of me understand why they didn't notice by calling me names. They were insulting themselves. They just didn't see it. So when black people do this, I'm not hurt because they aren't insulting me. They are ridiculing themselves, putting themselves down. You're telling me that I'm too good for you because I speak educated, I articulate myself, and I dress well. What does that say about you? You know that that mental slavery, we we talked about that in a couple of episodes prior, mental slavery, this is it. (laughs) I definitely understood why this person was trying to insult me by, by letting me know that I think I'm too good for them, even though I never said it. They just met me. They said, hi, how are you? And I said, hi, my name is this, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, you're too good. Like, you're good, good. And I'm like, you've never met me before, and this is how you approach me. And I started I started kind of laughing a little bit, like I said earlier, because they really, really don't realize that they're, they're putting themselves down. They really don't. I know I'm repeating myself here, but I really just wanted to push this point across, which is that if you're going to limit yourself by trying to make it seem like you know as a black person you need to represent this stereotype and this stigma to even fit in with us but we are not going to try to rise above it we are not about survival we're all about just sticking at this specific level in a time where we have the opportunity to rise above our situations like we've had people before us who have accomplished so much so that we can have this space to be free and to be able to do whatever we want and we're not going to take advantage of that we are not going to try to be better people we're not going to try to be educated and learn things from the world to better ourselves and better our family and put ourselves on the right track to make that decision that i'm going to stay at this level and if i meet another black person that's not on this level or they're a little bit higher i'm not going to meet them at that level i'm going to stay right down here and i'm going to tell them oh you're going to have to lower your standard you're going to have to shrink yourself to now fit in here or you won't be allowed in this community i'm cool with it i don't need to be a part of that community that community is not bringing money in it's not bringing money in you have the struggling restaurants you you have you know sitting at home you're having to sell drugs you're having to do all of these things all because you don't want to put into the put in the work to learn learn from other cultures learn from other people and try to build on what you have and become a better person knowing how to speak in the streets with your own people and then being able to go out into another community and learning how to speak the language that they will understand that language that will help you to be more acceptable to open doors for you that would allow them to buy from you or you know give you a job pay you a little bit more money because you've put the work into your education that to me is what this guy was saying that he didn't want to do any of that and so i'm gonna judge a black girl standing in front of me who did the work who went and got her degrees and her diplomas who went and got her certification who reads constantly and tries to learn and tries to connect with like-minded people who are all about growth and knowledge this girl now she's a complete opposite of what black men and black women are supposed to stand for and for that i'm gonna insult her by telling her she's too good thank you thank you i worked hard for my shit thank you being a token sometimes mean you don't fit in in either world and you have to be okay with that black people are discriminated uh, and judged against by other race and then we're also you know judged by our own we are seen as lesser than and due to that we are restricted on how we behave how we speak and and so much more we are still looked down upon as a group as a as a racial hire if you don't agree with the superiors especially white race and not even white race like i've actually been in in situations where i've i've had a supervisor who is you know a different culture and if i don't agree with with them you i was deemed difficult and so there's a lot of black people out there who are working in these environments and they are deemed difficult you are stupid because you can't learn fast enough and they label you as lazy because you aren't quick are quicker than their co-workers the co-workers that are lighter shade the colorism you know what i mean 
who produce way less, if you really look at the numbers, they produce way less and is rewarded for doing nothing because they are characterized and and they're charismatic and they are likable and less serious and carefree and can do whatever they want, whenever they want, and it is accepted. But you are now, you know, being told that you're not working hard enough, even though you are producing better than all of them. They're trying to use this tactic to get you to bury yourself, to burn yourself out working really hard. And when you're when you're completely burnt out, they're like, you're lazy. You know, you got to go. And then they'll either fire you or they'll try to find a way to make your job so difficult that you quit because they can avoid paperwork. Either way, you have to deal with this every single day. Having a token black friends mean, you know, means you aren't racist. You have the Asian friend, the Arab friend, the Indian friend, the Italian friend. So you can't be racist because you know all these people and they're all your friends. But that doesn't change your negative view of black people, Asian people, Indian people, Arab people, whichever you're hanging out with. It doesn't change that. This still in the back of your mind, it's still there. So as much as you want to show that you are not racist, when push comes to shove and, you know, things happen or things are being said, all of a sudden, that stereotype, that perception that's in the back of your mind that you've been hiding this entire time comes out. It does. At the end of the day, it's, it is just a popularity contest. And your white friend or a friend that is uh, light-skinned, they are the favorites. Don't forget to cheer applaud praise so you may be blessed what happens when you disagree as i mentioned before what they really think about you start to come out you are no longer a token to them and you are cut off you can be easily replaced you know a, a black person an asian person all of you you're just a dime a dozen there is only a certain level of blackness that many people feel they can tolerate the tokens gives them a certain amount this goes for all cultures they eat your food they will enjoy your clothing and the colors that come with it but they have one foot in for the good times and another foot out when the bad times are there so they can always run they're ready for the run i remembered hanging out with um, um a girl that was lebanese and italian and just like a, a french canadian girl and i remember we all went out to the club and when we went out to the club, the white girl decided to pick a fight with another white girl. And she started getting her ass whooped. And I'm just standing there in the lineup wondering, what is this mess? And what are y'all doing? Like, you came to the club to have fun and you decided to voluntarily go and pick a fight with someone without knowing if they could take you or not. You just looked at them and go, I can take this girl. I'm going to start a fight because I have a black girl right beside me. And I watched her ass get whooped. And at the end of it, you know, they turned around all of them and they're like, oh my God, why didn't you jump in? And I said, jump in for what? Why did she pick the fight with the person? She deserved what she got. And they're like, but you know, you're not acting very black. Like as a black person, if you see your friends getting jumped, you need to, to jump in. Keep in mind, this girl was not my friend. I literally met her that night. She was fucking some Lebanese dude. So she thought she, she was a badass. And I'm like, I just met this girl. Jump into a fight for her for what? And they're like, yeah, but that's like the black thing to do. Like when you see someone that's friends with your friends, like, and they're about, you know, they're getting beat up, even if they started a fight or not, like your job is to like jump in. You're the black girl. You're supposed to be like the armor, you know, and protect us. And in my mind, I thought to myself, are you kidding me? So that's your, that's your expectation of me as a black girl is that I am supposed to make a fool of myself and try to be a badass like with a gun and I'm all about that gangster life just to make y'all feel comfortable? You must be mad. You think I want this person, a cop to come around the corner because we're on the street and this is downtown. You think I want a cop to pull over and, and you know ask who started the fight and because the other girl who didn't start the fight and I, you know, I jumped in and decided to start beating on her, she can easily turn to the cops and tell the cops, oh, she jumped me and started like hitting me and I didn't do anything to her. And then I get arrested. So then now my welfare is in danger. Do you think any of those girls, the Italian, the Lebanese, or that new white girl that came out of nowhere, you think they're going to show up at the police station paying for my bail, trying to get me out of this? Nope. They're going to go into the club and they're going to have fun and they're going to, you know, maybe message me the next day once I'm out saying, oh my God, thank you so much for like supporting us and blah, 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 blah. 
no, I'm not going to throw my future away just to try to live up to a stereotype or a stigma for nobody. Tokens aren't like other black people. We are told that every day. We are good until we make a mistake. We all have to do what we need to do to get by. It's survival. You understand what I'm saying? It's survival. This could get much worse, so do your time. Tokens help white people feel as if race is no longer an issue, but it is. You can't cover it up as much as people want to go on the internet and social media saying racism doesn't exist. It does. It's just because oh, you have a black friend and and an Asian friend and an Indian friend, and so you feel special. You're like, there's no racism here. Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. You're just ignoring it and trying to be like, well, I'm not racist because I'm friends with all of these people. No, it doesn't reflect the world. Just because you want to prop yourself up on this white horse riding in for all races does not mean that racism doesn't exist for everybody else everywhere don't get me wrong i don't feel that being a token is just for minority it's not just a minority thing some groups of 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 colored people have that one blonde friend you know that they brag about that they take pictures with and post up the token blonde that gets you into places the show pony with the blue eyes and the big smile they are there to make you look good so token can be extended to all races this is not a black and white thing like if you're asian you can be a token if you're indian you can be a token if you are arab you can be a token italian you can still be a token None of you are exempt, and I'm going to keep repeating this, none of you are exempt. I feel as if I said this again before, but I'm going to just leave it at that because I've already mentioned it. I, I just don't remember. But back to the blonde token. They are the faces of the organization, the poster child. They are clean, big smile, and they're perfect. They just give off perfection. I am not saying that life is hard for them to some extent, It is because that's still a lot of pressure, stress, and anxiety, but they get more benefits than the other tokens. If we are gauging the level of of difficulty, hands down, black people have it much worse, but everyone has their challenges. Who doesn't want to be a show pony? (laughs) Okay, well, not me. So, you know, strutting in with your ass out. You know those, you know when you watch those show where you know someone's on the horse and the the pony is, is like stomping and kicking up and doing all this fancy little things that you never thought they can do. Yeah, that's that show pony. Their ass is sticking up and they're like, mm, mm, "Who doesn't want to be that? Come on, that's the price for popularity. You you being popular means that you are a show pony." This example just kind of reminds me of of the a marvel movie black panther and this is the first time that you know hollywood studios universal studios whichever whoever produced it um, this marvel movie this is the first time where you saw that many black black cast you know literally all different sections of wakanda is just like a different tribe and they all represent something and they all have a skill set and it was just it was like wow it was a powerful movie for that but i really appreciated this one white man that was allowed into wakanda you know that token white man again same actor bilbo baggins the guy who pays bilbo baggins he he was in the black panther and he was the only and first white man to be brought into wakanda and i thought it was hilarious because i was like marvel did that marvel decided to flip the script rather than having an all-white cast and then just bringing in that one token black guy to show like this is america you know like they did with all of the other marvel movies you know where everyone's white and there's this one black guy and it's like see he's a complete representation of the population of america just that one black guy i found that it was hilarious and eventually you know he left because he can't stay in wakanda he has his own business to do and you know he has his job and his own family and whatnot and in his white 
society. And then they decided to bring another token white man into the series. And that was that character's, I think the actor's name is Sebastian. And he played in Captain America as Captain America's best friend. And so he was that token white dude that lived in Wakanda, separated from the world, um, just living it up. And keep in mind, he had a lot more freedom compared to if you were to to take a, a black man and put them in a white society, they would have been more restricted. They wouldn't be able to do as much. They would be told that they can't go anywhere and they can't achieve anything and they're they're limited. But in Wakanda, this white man was free to walk around. He was just doing whatever he wants, complete peace. No one was bothering him. So he, he was living a, a really good life. Keep in mind, he was struggling because to the world, especially in his society, he's considered a bad man. In his society, he's considered the enemy because of what happened to him. And now, you know, looking at that, it's kind of like trying to show, you know, how a, a white man would would handle the kind of scrutiny that a black man would have. But it's not on that level as it was for actual black people. So Marvel did that. And I, I do have to, you know, say shout out to Marvel for for doing that it, it was it was a great watch black panther was a shit some would ask the question can being a token give minorities a competitive edge yes because it opens doors of opportunities and improves the resume you are still isolated which will hurt your performance some tokens are used to being isolated so their performance is not affected at all and there are there are two sides here not everyone is the same but it can be annoying and frustrating when you're experiencing hyperaggression from your employees due to jealousy their perception of your hard work and their insecurities some people want to be the token for for popularity and others would do would do without the headache like myself I would rather do without it I don't want to be someone's or an organization's snow show pony due to the pressure they are under to provide a symbol of diversity. The money isn't bad, but what comes with it might not be worth the pay. And this is an example of something that might come with it. There are many times that I have worked in an environment where someone would say to me, you're a diversity hire, which means you didn't have to bring anything to the table. You didn't get this job on merit. You only got this job so that the organization can look good. And in my mind, I was like, I cannot believe that this person came up to me to tell me that the fact that I went to school and I got my two diplomas and I have my degree and I have all these certification and I have all these experiences from other positions that I've worked in is now trying to tell me that it doesn't mean anything because of my diversity hire. You didn't bother to ask me what my credentials are, what experience I brought to the table, asking me the question without assuming it. Now you're going to tell me that technically what I bring to the table is worthless because I only got this job because I'm black. Thank you. Thank you so much. Interview process was rigorous. They were looking for something specific. They wanted to make sure that you had the experience, that they weren't just giving away their money for free. They wanted to make sure that you can still do the job, that you had the education and your resume showed that you brought a lot more to the table, especially when it comes to adaptability or certain skills that can be transferable. So yeah, the interview process was not that easy regardless. So it's not like you walked in and they're like, you're hired because you're black. It's not like that at all. So I really cannot stand it when people come to me and they try to downplay play the work that I've put in and my career and as a person and my personal growth to make themselves feel better for the fact that I came in and got a job or got a particular amount of money. Maybe I'm making a little bit more money than they are and they're like, oh, you were only given that because you're the show pony. You're the token. We need more black people in this organization to, to make us seem like we're truly representing Canada. We're truly representing the world. And I, I couldn't stand that. It was really frustrating to have someone come and tell me that I didn't work hard enough, that, what, that ending up here meant nothing because I only got the job because I'm black. To add to that experience of being insulted on the job by somebody who's worked there for years, this same person tries to one-up me 
every chance that they get. Try to show that I'm not that intelligent, that I really don't know what I'm doing. They want to make sure that I know that they are superior to me in every way possible. Try to embarrass you in meetings. Try to cut you off to have themselves talk and to get all the attention in the room because they want to be the show pony so badly. And you're just watching all of this and, you know, they're smiling to your face and then they're being aggressive and saying certain things to like try to trigger you so you can show that you're an angry black woman because that's the stereotype. Black women are angry. It's just we have to deal with a lot being tokens. A lot. I personally like to watch interviews by, you know, actors who are from different different cultures, different backgrounds. Some of them might not even really live in the States. And I have watched um, this interview where an Asian actor would explain how it feels to be Asian in today's society. He did not realize what he was describing was tokenism. He said being an Asian, he had to portray the stereotypical Asian guy all the time. The yes man, eager to work, full of energy. He always had to smile. He would receive insults and racist comments from his managers or co-workers every day and have to laugh it off with them because that's how Asian people are perceived. He would hang his head and smile. That is what was expected of him. Realistically, he was angry. He does not want to smile. He wants to say that's not funny. He wants them. He wants to tell them off, but he can't. That is not how his family raised him. So he swallowed it. Bury these emotions out of being polite, which isn't healthy for your mental health, but a lot of cultures have to do that. And I wanted to kind of give this example of that. I got a job in the government, the federal government. And I remember it was my first day starting um, at the federal government. And I got hired with an Asian guy, but he was in a different department. And I was in a different department, and I was the only black person in that department, which, I'm again, I'm not mad about it. And so an Indian guy came to help me set up my computer because he was in the IT department. His job was to just kind of make sure everything was functioning properly so that I can do my job effectively and be efficient about it. And so while he was there setting up everything for me, this white supervisor from a different department comes over, storming over, and he he didn't even acknowledge me. He just kind of walked into my office and he looked at the Indian guy and he's like, what are you, stupid? Why didn't you fix the problem? The computer's still doing the exact same thing. Like, what's wrong with you? And he's pointing at his head and he's just being really aggressive and like in the, the Indian guy's face and the Indian guy's just kind of sitting there looking at him, not saying a word, not saying a word at all. And I thought to myself, oh my God, like this is my first day. I was so shocked because these are people working on a federal government level and they have no decorum, they have no respect. And the way that they treat people who are of minority within the organization was completely disgusting. And the Indian guy just sat there and he's like, "Um, sir, let me finish this and I will come over and take a look again. And he's being completely respectful and completely polite. And he's like, no, you're just going to come over and like make it worse. You're too dumb. Why did you get this job? And he's just ripping into this Indian guy because, you know, he was wearing a hijab. And it was during that time, you know, after 9-11 when they really started to judge people with the hijab or people that wear their their cultural turban, they started to see them as terrorists. So this dude decided to go off and he knew he could get away with it. Number one, he's a supervisor. And number two, this the Indian guy was on a contract and he just finished college and he can easily just say something and boom, the dude is fired, you know? The Indian guy ended up repeating himself and saying, sir, give me a moment to finish with this young lady's computer and I will come your way and try to figure it out with you. And the guy's like, well, hurry the hell up. Like, I need to be served first. And then the dude just kind of looked at me and smiled. And I wasn't even sure how to respond to that smile. Like, I guess he was trying to be courteous after walking into my office and cussing out someone who's trying to help me get set up to make his point that he is more important and superior to everybody else. And he just kind of walked out and he's like, well, hurry up and get here. Don't be slow. You people are so slow. And I was like, you people, you people, the balls on this motherfucker. At this point, my jaw dropped. Like I was keeping it together up until he dropped that. So when he walked out and he stormed over to his department, which is, you know, around the corner. And it's like a maze when you work for the federal government. And I looked at the guy and I I just felt the need to apologize. So I 
said, I'm so sorry that, that happened to you. And he's like, oh, that's that's okay. That's normal. And I said, normal. And again, I'm thinking of that slave mentality because that's, you know, when you listen to that episode that I wrote, I'm talking about slave mentality and how slave people with mental slavery tend to think. And I said, no, that's unacceptable what just happened to you. And he's like, honestly, I've been working here for about three months and every single manager and supervisor speaks to me that way they just assume that i'm stupid and that i don't know anything they will never take responsibility for the fact that they're the reason why this is happening they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing with the computer just so they can holler and scream and have me chase after them and show up just so they can abuse me while i'm trying to work yelling at him and all of that kind of stuff and he's like you just get used to it and in my mind, I was like, you know what? I completely understand why he just accepted it because at this point he needs to survive. You know, he has a family to take care of. And if you learn about the Indian culture and how they work together as a family, they're very supportive. You know, once one child um, end up going to university or college, in his case, he went to college, that money was put in a pool and they have this community of money um, within their community I forgot what that saying was, but I think a few communities do this where a bunch of people pay into this pool of money and when students are are ready to go off to university or college, they take from this fund. Now, when they graduate from university or college, they now have to get a job and they now have to put that money back into that pool so their younger brothers and sisters can have the same opportunities that they had accessing that money to now support them and again that keeps them debt free you know he left college got this job without a student loan because his family had taken care of that and so now he is going to be paying back into this pool so that his brothers and sisters can have that same same opportunity and learning a bit about the Indian culture and how they truly take care of themselves. And this is what I mean by going out there and getting to know people and learning about their cultures because you learn so much about their tactics, how they, they work together, how they support each other. And you can even take that and bring it back to your own family and work on it yourselves. You, you, you see where I'm going with this? It's always good to get to know people from all over the world, from all shapes, all culture, all color, it doesn't matter. You can learn a lot. I understood that he he had a mission, that having this job and keeping this job, even if he's being abused and yelled at by these men, he still knows that he needs to, to sacrifice this and put up with it so that he can now make sure that his younger brothers and sisters have the opportunity that he did. He doesn't have the the right to just get up and storm off and go, I quit. I'm sick of this abuse. Like he doesn't, there's no privilege. He doesn't have that entitlement. And he, he just, he, it just rolled off his shoulder because he's so used to dealing with this. This is how they talk to him in the federal government. And I, that I was like, damn, damn. The issue that I have with smile and swallow the insults and bad jokes is that we are becoming the problem by enabling the discrimination and racism that occurs because we are going along with it just to get along. You know that saying. Minorities have become the problem, in my opinion, by contributing to all this. I understand that we just want to pass under the radar by making ourselves small, but there won't be positive change if we don't learn how to speak up for ourselves without being rude or disrespectful. Yes, they are disrespectful by insulting and provoking us or you by saying you know learn how to take a joke you know that stupid saying that they love to say they're insulting you they're dragging your race they're like ha 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 but you're not laughing so you're sitting there smiling awkwardly and they're like oh just learn to take a joke and laugh with me ha 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 which is considered bullying and harassment the worst part about this is that they are the first to holler like a wounded dog when there is a complaint about it they are now the victim. Woe is them. Oh my God. It was just a joke. Why can't you take a joke? It's really not that bad. I am not a racist. I love all people. It's just a joke. Yes, it might be racist, but it's just a joke. I would never say that to you and actually mean it. 
So all of this is frustrating to a token person. We're frustrated. Sharing all of these these stories just kind of brought me back to years ago. And I'm not sure if I had shared this story in a previous podcast episode. It's been a year and it's a lot of episodes that I've put out. But again, I'm just going to repeat it. And if I if you have heard it from me before, just understand that I'm sorry. So I remember years ago, I was invited to a wedding and it was like a white wedding. And I at, at the time, I like I didn't know who was going or what was happening at the time being asked to be a maiden, a maiden, maid of honor um, at this wedding. I thought it was an honor like, oh, my God, I can't believe you chose to ask me um, to be a part of your wedding. Now, the day comes for the wedding. And the bride was trying not to be a bridezilla throughout the entire process, but I just kind of ignored her when she bitched and complained. She's like, oh, why are you late? I'm like, because I told you I was working today. She's like, well, couldn't you book it off to, you know, come hang out with me and like do all this stuff? And I said, no, because you're not paying my bills. So of course I had to put her in her place. Like, it's great that you live at home with your parents as a, you know, close to 30 year old woman um, with your husband who's now 40 years old and y'all are living in your parents, your parents' basement. So you don't necessarily have to pay that much in rent and you can stay home and plop on the couch all you want but i actually have to take care of my stuff i got student loans i have this and that to take care of i got my cell phone bill i got my my light bill you know the car is not going to fix itself so for her to be like oh you should have like booked off just to sit here at my dining room table talking to me and my husband and my family you know book off the whole day not make any money just to make you feel special i was kind of like okay i don't got time for this but since i already purchased my dress to be a part of your wedding party and i've already committed by you know buying you a a wedding gift um i'm just gonna just suck it up and pull it off now the wedding day comes and i realize that i'm literally the only black person in that room and i think there was another black guy but he was mixed so he was you know the token black dude all because he was half black and so, you know, he would start treating me differently because he's mixed. He's a lighter skin. He's closer to the white people. So, you know, he would just kind of brush me off or look at me a certain way or he'll giggle awkwardly if we happen to be talking in a corner about something. He just, he kept looking around like, oh my God, people are seeing me talk to you. And I was like, you're such an idiot. I wish you the best of luck. Um, and then out of nowhere, you know, I bumped into the husband and the husband's like, hey, because at this point he's tipsy. He's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, and I'm smiling back at him and laughing and talking. And he's like, oh, you're the token. And I said, excuse me. He's like, yeah, we needed a black person at our wedding. So we asked you to be our token black girl just to kind of show that, you know, we we're friends with black people. And he's like laughing because he's drunk. And at this point, I didn't really know how to react. I said, well, thank you for sharing that with me now you know, they're always acting like we're BFFs when we're out in public. And I smile at them and I nod when I do see them around. But when she's like, oh my God, you should text me and let's hang out. We're friends. I never text. I never go out of my way to go hang out with those people. I was like, your husband was stupid enough to let me know while he was drunk that you only asked me to be a part of your wedding, not because you actually saw me as a friend, but because you wanted a token tokenism happens when someone is viewed by the dominant majority group as a member of a minority group in my opinion tokenism doesn't do anything to promote diversity based on all i have said going back to the list i provided in the beginning of this podcast episode the list you know included uh, terms such as isolation scrutiny pressure anxiety stress exhaustion guilt shame burnout these all seriously impact an individual mental health organizations want to be praised for their diverse hire without considering the impact of their environment on these tokens that they hire the token is extremely visible the only person of color let's not forget the people who work within these organizations who don't like seeing minorities congregate a minority group with different shades and cultures or same race groups in an organization where each was assigned to a different department are now congregating. It makes some people uncomfortable. So you have to separate 
and stay away from each other to help the mass feel more comfortable. Over time, your achievements go on unacknowledged and your contribution ignored. You get used to feeling like no one really knows you. And it is safer that way because the less they know, the better. Most of the time, you have to be guarded to protect yourself and make sure nothing is used against you. This could lead to hypervigilant microaggressions and worst case, violence. The story I shared earlier with the Indian guy and what he was going through, that is considered emotional and verbal abuse. But because he's silent and he took it, it's almost... It's almost as if it's okay. Like he gave them permission to do that. And so if he was to be, or these supervisors uh, or head upper heads come into a room and see this supervisor doing that to him and the supervisor or the manager department head, whatever, decided to confront him and say, why are you speaking to this Indian guy this way? He would just turn around and laugh and go, oh, this is how we talk to each other. This is, you know, this is normal between us. Yeah, we're friends. This is why we talk to each other this way. And he would cover it up. He would cover it up. And the Indian guy would just kind of sit there, not say a word, and just let that excuse fly. There are benefits to being the token because you are that representation. You now have the opportunity to make better money or better pay. If you are competitive, then you will rise in that organization as long as you don't step on any toes on your way up. Once you are at a level where you can make decisions, you are able to assist in opening the door for other minorities to enter. I do have friends that work their asses off to represent the group well, which would lead to the organization considering hiring more minorities. But then that door closes when that hire gives you a bad name, not because they're bad employees, but because they don't know how to cope with the treatment they are receiving. Most people freeze up when they are being harassed or abused. They shut down, so they come off stupid or lazy due to this experience. It only takes one to affect the whole group, even if it isn't their fault. Not everyone handles things the exact same way, but no one sees that. I'm going to share another story to kind of help you understand where I'm coming from with saying that. Um, a friend of mine works in the government. She's Somali. And I might have told the story before, and if I have, please forgive me, but it makes sense. It will make sense. Um, so she works for the government and she worked her ass off. This is a girl that's always doing overtime Monday and Friday. And even on the weekend, she's still working, but thankfully she's smart enough not to give her money away for free. She still applies for overtime to make sure she gets paid where, you know, other black people would have just given that time for free and, and worked for free because they don't know what they're worth. Their time is worthless. And a lot of organizations love those types of people because number one, you save the money by dedicating, you come into work at seven, you're supposed to leave at, at four, but you end up staying till eight o'clock at night working on everybody else's work to catch up because you want to show you're the talented and the best worker in the organization. Thankfully, my friend was not that stupid. I appreciate her for that, showing that her time is valuable. And if she's going to stay late and she's going to work and do this kind of work, you better motherfucking pay her. So I appreciate her for that. And I remembered, you know, because I worked in that that or organization at the time and I, I do remember her coming up to me and she's like oh my god she's like I just saw this like black Somali kid she said that you know she always says hi to him when she sees him just to acknowledge him just to make him feel like you know he he's still a part here like yo bro like we see you I see you you're not invisible here and I was like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the Somali kid very nice guy very quiet to himself tall and lanky but he he has he's very genuine and good-natured and she's like, yeah. So she's like, I just saw him and I, I waved at him and he just turned away immediately. And he was sitting in the cafeteria all by himself. So I said, well, did you go over to him and just say hi and, you know, greet him to make sure everything's okay? Because, you know, working in these types of environments, like it's, it's a lot. And a lot of people just don't know how to cope with it. And she's like, oh, girl, I made sure. So she walked over and she she looked at him and she's like hey i just waved at you are you okay and he's like i'm fine he's like you should go and she's like why would i go 
I wanted to come over and say hi and make sure you're cool and you know let's talk it's my lunchtime too and he's like no please don't sit down and so she's like why can't I sit down he's like well right now I'm in trouble and if you sit down and talk to me all the other people are going to see you talking to me and they're going to start treating you differently. And she's like, treating me differently for what? The kind of work that I put in at this organization, I make them look good. They have no right to come and start treating me a certain way because if I quit, they're fucked. (laughs) And I was like, yes, girl. So she said that to him and he was like, no, really, you know, I would hate to, to bring another black person down with me. And she's like, what is going on? And he's like, well, I don't know. They've been saying all of these nasty things about me saying that I'm lazy and I don't know how to do my job. And they yell at me all the time, Ver- basically verbally and emotionally abusing this kid. Like he's straight out of, of college or university. So he's a baby. This is like his first government job. Like he doesn't know. It's not, he might've had maybe one job prior to this, at maybe a fast food chain, but he was given this opportunity to, through the F sweat program. And, you know, he took it, but because he does not know how to communicate with people within this environment and learning about how to handle hostility in a specific environment, his coping mechanism was just not there. And it's not like he has anyone to talk to about it. It's not like other black people who see him being attacked are going to step in and like help him out and talk to him and make him feel like everything's okay or try to help him out when no one's looking because if other black people try to do that for him they would get dragged down with him they would start treating him differently like oh pick a side you're either with us or you're with him and if you're with him you're gone we can just make up excuses say you're difficult you have too much attitude and we can get rid of you quick things so a lot of black people just ignore other black people when they see them under pressure in such a way because they need to survive i can't be mad at them for that so he was dealing with all of this no one sits with him no one hangs out with him every single time i see him at lunch he's by himself and he's been doing that for about three months and no one not even the black people that work in the organization would go over and talk to him or make him feel special in any way like hey you're you're part of this team we're included not one of them and she was the only one that did it and because she was the only one that did it he was scared that he was going to get her fired and he's like please don't sit down like honestly if you get fired i'm gonna be devastated and she's like listen they really can't fire me i'm telling you i'm honest they really can't fire me if they fire me i'm i'm listen to me they're fucked they're fucked if I'm gone. And so he was like, but still, I just don't want people to treat you ill or treat you badly because you're here. So now she's under the impression that he was being mistreated and that he's being bullied. And now he's being alienated. And, you know, he sits there at lunchtime. He doesn't even eat lunch because he's nerves and he just stares. He's afraid to turn his head. He doesn't want to look at anyone's face. He'll just stare at the wall and not say a word. And I've been seeing this for some time now, but I did not know how to approach him because at this point I had my own issues to deal with working for the government and I just didn't have I just didn't have the energy or the time to to be there for him on that emotional level and hold his hands. Not because I didn't want to, but because I just I just couldn't. But thankfully my friend actually went out of her way and she tried and she's like, "Listen, don't let these people tear you down. Don't make these people make you feel like you're useless or you're lazy or you're difficult or you're you're stupid. You are doing the best that you can and if you're not getting something, it means that they're not training you." properly and that's a reflection on them and not you and he's like thank you for saying that but honestly you've been talking to me for too long now i really think that you should leave but thank you for stopping by and she's like no problem and when she walked away she wanted to go to she was like looking at me and i could see the tears in her eyes and i was like girl you are not doing this here let's go to the bathroom and we go to the bathroom and she's just trying to hold in the tears because she knows what he's going through and he is alone he is alone in this all by himself and there's nothing she can do about it even if she was to go and talk to the supervisor and say you better treat him right they would just end up brushing her off and then abusing him more just to prove a point so she she knows and she just she was just devastated just completely devastated that they're bullying like these grown-ass people in their 50s and 60s are bullying this this little boy he's literally a puppy if you ever met him you'd be like damn you know, let me bring this dude under my wing and try to help him out and be there for him. Like all of this, like that's how wimpy he was. Just, I, yeah. But anywho, I wanted to share that story to just kind of show you what I meant by 
coping mechanism, knowing how to cope with that level of emotional and verbal abuse within the workplace or, or being dragged or people making up lies on your name to try to make you look bad, to make themselves feel more superior. These things, not everyone can handle it. Not everyone have thick skin. Not everyone knows how to tackle this situation and put their foot down and have these boundaries up and, and say, this is unacceptable. It doesn't matter what culture you are, you are not going to be able to handle it the way that certain people are. Not everyone can handle this. And that is why I wanted to conclude this podcast episode by talking about that. Thank you for supporting the Orchid Blooms podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button under Orchid Blooms podcast on Apple, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't forget Podbeam as well. Visit our social media pages for updates on our guests or our weekly episodes and what topics um, are coming weekly, as well, as well as what's happening on the YouTube channel. Our social media pages are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Obs, and of course, my personal Instagram page, Orchid Eye Brown. Don't forget to share your favorite podcast episode with your family and your friends, and I hope you have a splendid day.